0: Welcome to Two Humans Talking, the podcast where we discuss the challenges of staying healthy in today's modern, fast-paced world. I'm Tiffany Sims, your burnout recovery expert and holistic wellness coach. And today I am here with Melissa Rolfs, who is also a coach, also in the holistic train of just healing your body and making sure that you become like one with your surroundings and with your food. And so Melissa, share with the people like who you are, where you're from, um, just a little bit about you and yeah.
1: So I'm a Midwest girl originally, but I'm in Arizona right now, which is lovely. And I'm a wife. I'm a mom. We've got a 13-year-old and a 15-year-old, and then I'm a holistic health and life coach, as
0: you mentioned. So that's who I am and a little bit of what I do. I love that. Um, How did you get into this line of coaching?
1: Yeah, it wasn't on my radar at all. In fact, it's so funny because I used to like make fun of people that were what I called granola and into this holistic space. So it's kind of ironic that I'm here. Um, but it began about 13 years ago when our son was born and he was not sleeping through the night. So I was exhausted. We had a two and a half year old daughter who had some food allergies we were unaware of and sensory processing disorder that we were also unaware of. My husband was traveling for work and then I had just gotten diagnosed with PTSD from childhood trauma. So that was like the perfect storm to reevaluate everything and learn about holistic health and how to help our family like sleep and get rest and work through all of the things that we had had kind of come up against so that's where it began
0: oh that's so fun fun in that ironic kind of way you know what I mean so fun to talk about but (laughs) not fun to live through look back on but you know I'm really glad that you brought that up because so often it's so easy to look back on your story And and like have those aha moments and those like moments of like, I'm really glad that happened or that was hard, but like, I'm glad we're here now. But it's so true being in it. You don't know what the future holds. It's just hard. Super hard. (laughs) Do you mind sharing a little bit about that? Because I think that that's really realistic and Mm -hmm. I think that that gets overlooked so often in the conversation of quote unquote getting healthier. Yeah, totally. I think it was hard
1: too, because I had been this professional working woman who, when we had kids, I decided, we decided that I would be home with them. And so in a way, I think I felt demoted almost on top of it. So it was lonely and exhausting. And I think I was just feeling like a failure in all of that. And so thankfully, I think for me, all that happening kind of gave me something to do. I'm very, um, what's the word? I like projects. I like things to do. I like ambitious. (laughs) So it kind of gave me some challenges to work towards. And I think that was really helpful because it was a new way of doing things, but it was hard. It was exhausting. It was lonely. And
0: yeah. did you feel grateful for having something to work on then? Or do you see that as a gift now?
1: I think at the time, like I remember when I got the diagnosis, there was a sense of relief of like, okay, I know what I'm working with. This has a name. I can figure it out. Like that provided relief. So I think that combined with like the project and something to work towards, I think at the time I felt that, but looking back, I still do as well.
0: So you mentioned that you got diagnosed with PTSD from a childhood trauma. Like what kind of things were you experiencing? Like, were you, what were you telling the doctor Like, what was that process of getting that diagnosis?
1: Well, it was completely unexpected because I had gone to therapy before. So when part of my story was after college, I had moved to Chicago and was doing some work there. And then I started in campus ministry. And so when I went into campus ministry, I had some recollections of things that happened in childhood. So started with a therapist then worked through it. I had thought got married, had kids was feeling that lonely, overwhelmed exhaustion thing that I talked about being a new mom. So I started being with a coach because I'm like, I need somebody to help me through this. And my coach was also a licensed clinical social worker who had also had her own PTSD diagnosis. So because of that, I think she was able to pick it up, Tiffany, and recognize it. And so we went from coaching to therapy. So that's kind of how the diagnosis came about.
0: That's really. That's kind of fun, too, because like I'm also I'm a high performance coach and we're in this world. And a lot of times you notice that pe- a lot of people in my world, they'll go from therapy to coaching because they're ready to go forward looking. Yeah. And I think that's really a lot, good awareness of your coach at the time saying, you know what, like I'm all about your forward growth. But these are some serious issues that we need to go backwards before you're going to be able to go forward and transition your transition you that way that's kind of cool. I don't. Yeah. And I've
1: never thought of that before. So you're right.
0: (laughs) Right. Like that, that is kind of cool. A lot of times people just are like, I'm so done talking about like how my parents screwed me up. I'm so tired of talking to the past. Like I'm ready to like move towards my goals. And for someone to have that awareness, I think is such a testament to just her as I don't know. What do you call that? Like just her as a person, I guess. And yeah, probably.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think to be willing to continue in a relationship because it wasn't. She had left her therapy practice and was doing coaching. So for her to kind of go back to that for me was also really, I think, very kind of her because she could have just been like, "Okay, I don't do this anymore. You need to start with somebody else." <laughs> and <not> with
0: <laughs> Goodbye. Adios. I'm later. back when you're Goodbye. ready. <laughs> Good luck you know you said something else that triggered a thought for me and you were like i thought i had dealt with some stuff and it came back and i got married and it came back up and this is a concept that i personally struggled with for a really long time because we all have stuff that we have to like work through and i thought i had dealt with a lot of things and i started blaming myself when it would come back up later in life, because it's like, I thought I, I dealt with this, was I lying to myself? Or am I just going backwards? And I don't know about you, but learning that for those people who are, I'm gonna draw a picture for people who are watching on Instagram, but like, to realize that like, our traumas and the stuff that we have to like, go through is more like an onion in that it goes, you're just peeling off the top layer every time you become a new person and some of those things just run really deep and having for me learning that each new version of myself was going to have its own healing journey with some of the crack that I lived through was one a really like took me a really long time to realize that I wasn't broken and then two was such a gift to realize that I wasn't broken and I wasn't messed up That that was just how life goes. Did you experience that too? Like, did you beat yourself up?
1: Totally. Cause I, I mean, I thought like, oh my gosh, I, I've gone to therapy. I should be done. Like I should cross that off the list and not have to work yes. with it.
0: Right. Yeah. Yes. So if you're listening right now and you are going through something that you thought you dealt with, like, I just want to share with you that you're normal. And that you're not broken. And it didn't mean that you didn't deal with it before. It just means you have a lot of new data points now that you have to deal with different parts of it. And you may be doing that the rest of your life. Like it may pop up over and over again. And it might be
1: that. And feel a little bit different, but it it will still pop up, right? Like, have you heard that phrase, new level, new devil, or something like that? Like, I think that's kind of how it goes.
0: You know i never really thought about that because i've i definitely have recognized that quote in like being true in different areas of like my career where it's like oh new level new devil all right let's go strap in but i never thought about it in terms of me dealing with like some of my deep-rooted roadblocks mm, i like that
1: And i think it's interesting tiffany, too tiffany because it's like You deal with that stuff and then you're in a situation where it's triggered and it's different. Like, you know that it affects you and you know why, but it just is different. And so I think that's always interesting too, especially with the holidays coming up. Like, family can be really triggering, right? And different situations and places. And so I don't know. Like, I think that's just maybe something to be aware of too. Like, you might still be triggered, it just might look a little different because you're at a different layer in your
0: onion. Yes. Is this what growing up means? Like this wisdom? <laughs> I feel so wise.
1: That and when you're buying appliances, and you end up doing like housework things. Yeah, probably.
0: <laughs> you say so. Speaking of like that, today I was at the grocery store and I felt caught myself complaining that a can of corn was a dollar nineteen, and I was like, I'm officially old. Because I said, I was like, I don't want to pay $1.19 for a can of corn. Like, this is ridiculous. And then I was like, oh my God. Like, mm-hmm. I'm officially an old lady. I'm complaining about the price of canned goods.
1: Or if you're not complaining about that, we're probably complaining about gas because it's ridiculous.
0: I am very fortunate. So I work from home. So I don't, not that I don't leave my house, but I don't yes. feel way I used to. So yes. I'm very grateful for that. Now, yes. the PTSD stuff, and then finding out that your kids were having his own, his, right? Your son, her, her was having yeah. her own issues. Like, how did that affect how your family, like, live their day-to-day life?
1: Yeah, well, I think, again, it was a relief because, I was like, okay, this makes sense. This is why she's fussy. This is why she's having trouble napping. This is why, like, it was, like, this whole eye-opening experience of, Oh my gosh, the food is playing a part, but also like with the sensory stuff, like her brain is just not interpreting the sensory the right way. So we needed to kind of rewire those pathways. So we found a great OT that we took her to and we did chiropractic and like all of those things just made such a big difference. So it really, like looking back, it really changed us for the better. But at first it was like, oh my gosh, I've never done any of this before. I didn't have any of this growing up. Like what is going on?
0: (laughs) Now, with the food did mm-hmm. how old was she when all of this happened two and a half two and a half so like how did that was your was your family on board was it an uphill battle like how did you learn what foods didn't agree with her versus the ones that were supporting her feeling her best like how do you how does that even work
1: Yeah, we went to an allergy clinic and we did testing and they helped us navigate that. But we decided once we got the results back, it was like, okay, this came from somewhere. It probably came from me. So I got tested, had the same allergies. So we just made that decision. I don't want to be making all these meals for everybody. We're all just going to go gluten-free, dairy-free because it's easier for me as the cook. I have the issue. Daughter has the issue. Son probably has the issue, but we probably don't need to get him tested. And husband, sorry, you just have to get on board. (laughs) I love that. I love that a lot. I think, too, like, the fact that they were so young was really helpful because they didn't argue. It was just kind of like, this is how we do it. This is what we do. You know what I mean? Whereas I think if we were trying to do it with them as teenagers, where they are now, it might be a little bit more challenging.
0: Well, I also really, I, I probably, probably, because, like, you, you live a life a certain way, and you mm-hmm. have your favorites, and then to be told that you can't, and not really have that mind body connection yet for it to know that it's not that you can't it's that you just aren't really going to feel well and you want to choose not to because you don't have that awareness yet but i really love that you're like this is going to be the change for the family because i think too often and this is this is just my personal opinion um i think too often when someone in a family has an intolerance or an allergy like everyone expects them to work around their preferences rather than the household being a safe place for them to be able to eat and be a part of everything and a lot of people who have food intolerances feel like they're on the outside trying to make sure everyone else is taken care of and like it it, i feel like it should be the other way around and so i love that your whole family was like nope this is just how we're going to be from now on
1: Thank you. And it's interesting too, because we just had an experience with our sons. He's in seventh grade and his science teacher just did this big Friendsgiving for the classes. And she had like people sign up for things. And I wrote back and I just explained, you know, we have these intolerances and she was so kind. She's like, I really want him to feel included. Where in the store can I find these things for him? And I wanted to write back and say, He's used to it. Like we, you just kind of feel that way. Like you just kind of have intolerances and people don't really deal with them. And my kids are just kind of used to it. But I was like, no, I'm not going to say that because she really like took time and effort and really made it like a conscientious, conscientious effort to do this for him. And that was just so thoughtful.
0: Yeah. So um I rent my basement and the uh, family who lives down there, the daughter has a lot of food allergies and there are a lot of food allergies that drive behavioral issues more so and a good handful that are like physical ailments, but a lot of them are behavioral issues. And so they just, they just don't with a lot of foods. And, um, she came over for a party one day and I didn't like, they were just home. And so I invited her, um, and I felt like absolute crap because I didn't have Mm -hmm. anything for her to eat. And I had to like send her home home, to go get food when everyone else was eating and her mom was just like oh she's used to it and i'm like but i never want someone to feel like they either have to bring their own food to my house or part of things life is hard enough like but as a society it's so normal to make the person who's the outlier accommodate everyone else rather than a group making it a safe place and an enjoyable place for those people who just need a little extra attention.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting too. Now, when you were saying that, it triggered something in me, our daughter plays basketball. And I remember she was a freshman last year and I volunteered at their retreat and one of the girls on the team has the same allergy she does. And we were standing in line at the allergy counter to get our food. Right. And she was saying, yeah, the coach is really great about like, if, sorry, my cat just joined us. So that's the tale. Um, about if if I can't eat it then nobody else on the team can have it and she really like again kind of caters to the one with the intolerances or the allergies and I'm like this is really kind of a nice change
0: (laughs) yeah and I mean I get it like just because I can't have tomatoes doesn't mean that no one should have tomatoes Right, right and at the same time like like I don't want someone cooking multiple meals for me to come over But it's really, really crappy when someone's just like, oh, well, there's salad over there. If you can't eat, like, and so there's that balance between you don't need to, like, accommodate everyone and not enjoy the things that you don't have problems with. But to be aware enough to, like, make sure that everyone is comfortable. Mm -hmm. And I think vegetarians have been living that life for a really long time. Like, how many, like, think about it. How many times have you known someone who's a vegetarian and their whole meal is just like some random assortment of sides? Right. <laughs> because everyone's like, oh, well, that doesn't have meat in it. Go for it. And it's right. like, would you just want a plate of sides? Maybe you would, but like, come on, like give a little effort. Yeah. Anyway, I feel like I totally derailed that. Um it's- I could keep talking about it. I could just share an example of doing it for example. I think it's important. Like people, there's probably someone listening right now who has just never really thought about it. Mm-hmm. And they're going, oh, like I could do just one thing to help someone who might have a food intolerance or who is vegetarian or has an allergy feel a little bit more welcome without disrupting my whole thing. But to like be intentional, intentional about like one thing that we're doing
1: yeah absolutely and I think again that happened like last night daughter had a basketball party and the mom that was hosting was like hey I'm making this what can you suggest for the girls and I'm like I can just pick it up like so I did that it worked great like I think you know working together to help everybody is awesome because there's now three girls with allergies on (laughs) the
0: team see and that's why it should because it should never just be on one person any either I know like I have a hard time. So like I mentioned tomatoes. Mm-hmm. I have a really hard time with tomato sauce. I can't digest tomato sauces, pizza sauce, things like that in any kind of banquet or group lunch or- And that's like- what it is most of the time. And <laughs> I have like, and I am really uncomfortable. Like I get really uncomfortable with dairy products and mm-hmm. I, and it's my career to help people mm-hmm. heal their relationship with food. Like, and I still am like, oh, it's okay. Because I feel just like I'm inconveniencing someone else by not wanting to get sick. And it's like, I'll work around it. And it's like, why do I do this? <laughs> I tell my clients not to do this. But in reality, you like, you just don't want to make a fuss. And yeah. those are just such easy foods for people too.
1: Yeah. And really common, like you mentioned at the banquets, at the luncheons. I mean, like, I feel like every big thing I've gone to has been pasta or pizza. Or, you know what I mean? Like.
0: Well, and it's affordable. Pasta yeah. and pizza are so yes. affordable for yes. a large group of people. Totally. And even if you don't like pizza, like, you can eat pizza and have eaten for the most part. You know what I mean? So right. I get it. But yes. it is hard. It is yeah. so hard. Now, what, so, I, I'm going to ask you this. What yeah. do? How do you define healthy at this point in life? I think it just depends. Like,
1: I kind of don't like that term because I think like diet culture has really kind of demonized it, if you will. So I think what's healthy for one isn't healthy for all. So I think if it is a food that works for you, it works for your body type, it energizes you, it makes you feel good, then it's healthy for you. But like you just said, like I can eat tomatoes, that's fine for me, but they're not fine for you. But people would consider them healthy because they're questionable.
0: Yeah. One million percent. I use that analogy a lot in trainings Mm -hmm. where we talk about that, which is like, if you tomatoes have tons of vitamin and nutrient benefits and they are technically a quote unquote healthy food, but it depends on who you're talking to, because like for me, it's not healthy. Now, is that viewpoint of like healthy is whatever makes you feel your best and works best for you like, is that different than maybe a previous version or definition of healthy that you would have had?
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it would have depended on the era, right? Like in the nineties, it would have been fat free. It's healthy and snack wheels, and you know, Lester chips and all the food that doesn't have any fat in it is healthy. And then it would have been the low carb or the low points and Weight Watchers. Like it never would have been like how the food made me feel. It would have been about the number on the back of the label.
0: <laughs> I, could not agree it's so true it's so true do you know so totally again see I told you that this that we were going to talk like we were sitting there having lunch and this is exactly how it would go and here we are and here <laughs> we are um but it's so true and it the more so like as a business owner for those of you who do, are not a coach and do not run your own business like you become all the hats every department you think you're gonna become a coach and you're gonna help people with their weight loss or get perform better at work and you did not know that you were going to be fulfillment hr customer service logistics marketing marketing, right and i cannot tell you the more i learn about marketing the more upset and disgusted i get when i walk Mm -hmm. into the grocery store because like you said the fat free sugar free carb free all of that none of that actually had anything to do with you being healthy as much as it was them create someone creating a product to sell to you in that it's complete marketing because in order to be fat free what were you saying
1: and they're still doing
0: it yes a matte chip bag looks healthier than one that's shiny yep yep Throw that little like vegan leaf on there and people think it's healthy. Yep. There's there's a guy on Instagram who takes normal everyday like American snacks and healthifies their labeling. And I really wish people truly understood what he was doing and what it meant. Because same exact product, just the labels redesigned and all of a sudden it looks like something that you're making a really great decision on. Oh my God. Um, but so, oh, I was talking about the, the fat-free, sugar-free stuff. Like we thought that that was healthy. We thought butter was the devil yeah. in every, but it's because like land lakes and I can't believe it's not butter needed a cheaper way to create pressed butter product and sell it to you. And so they're like, how can we, oh, we'll say it lowers cholesterol. And it might in some ways, but like, what is healthy about the processing process and adding chemicals to it, and then stripping certain things away to then add something else to make it taste good. And like, my brain hurts even thinking about it. I know, it's exhausting. (laughs) And then you're like, no wonder my clients are so bitter and confused and have a little bit of distrust in the process of like learning how to, I'm big on intuitive eating of learning how to like listen to your body yeah you can't blame them it's so fresh like how do you handle that with your clients because i'm sure because
1: we haven't been taught how to listen to our body that's the whole thing like think about it from the time that we're young we eat on somebody else's watch we eat when the school tells us to we eat on their schedule we don't ever stop and ask am i hungry when kids are small and we're doing the airplane game and they close their mouth, what do we do? We keep feeding them so that they'll sleep longer. Like we have no regard on how to listen to our bodies.
0: Right. And then you're demonized. If you're hungry, mm-hmm. like, Oh, right. we just ate, you can't be hungry. And so you spend all this time telling your body it's lot. It's wrong.
1: Yeah.
0: And then we wonder why our body doesn't know how to like trust us.
1: Mm-hmm. And we don't know how to trust our body because it's talking to us we just haven't been taught how to listen to it
0: it's so true mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting really, all riled up i know <laughs> you and me both i'm like <laughs> i could i could i could preach for mm-hmm. days upon days upon days on this topic mm-hmm. with you so with you and so like how do you said 13 and 15 15 how do they navigate? I think this would be a really good for people who are like, um, how do we transition or how do we talk about it? Like, how do your kids who've just grown up this way, how do they talk about food in front of other people or when they're going to parties or things like that?
1: I'm laughing because our daughter like revamps all of her friends food. She's like, okay, so when was the last time you ate? And you're probably tired because you didn't eat enough fruits and vegetables and so she like made this list of all the benefits of fruits and she's like oh my gosh I sound just like you mom
0: and I'm like what's wrong with that (laughs) you need to hire that child
1: yeah so that's how she does it our son on the other hand I don't know it's funny because like when his favorite basketball team is playing and they're not doing well he was like they must've had like too much sugar or too much gluten or like something that's affecting that performance. So I, he's like starting to see how food affects athletic performance, which is cool. Um, so we're getting there.
0: <laughs> that is cool. So how, okay. Here's something that I know that someone's wondering You're, yeah. We've been sitting here and we're, we're kind of talking about ourselves. We're kind of all over the place. And we started off talking about like, your kids getting these diagnoses and learning that they had food issues that were contributing to some of their physical ailments. Yeah. Like what things were you noticing that made you ask the questions? And then um, how did you know it was working?
1: I wasn't asking questions because I was so exhausted and overwhelmed. It took somebody pointing it out to me and being like, okay, this is what I see like the dark circles under the eyes, the like lack of focus, the behavioral issues, the whining, not napping, like something might be a little bit off. And I'm like, okay, what are you thinking? And they were like, these are the same things our kids had when they had food intolerances. So I think that was the first step. And then the next was the sensory stuff. So those were some of the things that were pointed out to me because I was too exhausted to acknowledge it.
0: Oh, okay. So the behavioral stuff where you're like, nothing you did was getting you guys anywhere.
1: No. And I remember like when our son was born and he would cry, our daughter would like melt down because it was so loud. Her thing was auditory. So we like had to work with her on, okay, when he cries, you need to go upstairs to your room and find, like, just get in a quiet spot like that, that just came up. (laughs)
0: What other little nuggets like that? Those I think are gold. Those are things that I think other parents could really appreciate when they're sitting there and it's two o'clock in the morning and mm-hmm. they're exhausted and they're crying themselves trying to go to sleep, going, I don't know, like why do I suck as a parent? Like what are some more of those things? A
1: preschool teacher pointed out that like when the heater would kick on in the classroom, she would be like, What's that noise? And nobody else heard it. Like she would was just more aware of the noises. Um, so that was a big thing. I'm trying to think of what else I think the crying and the heater were kind of the big two, or it was like, maybe there's something going on because there was another working, another one that I was in a networking group with who son had the sensory processing disorder as well and told me about it. So I think it was kind of like me being exhausted and like, I feel like a failure like a parent. This is what what's happening. And other people saying, well, wait, this is what our experience was. It's very similar. You should check this out. <laughs>
0: That's really a big testament of you being open to input. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not a parent. And so I'm going to say this with love. Um, My observation is, especially in those early days, like, it's so hard for a new parent to take advice or suggestions, because it's almost like, I can do this, like I don't need your help or I'm not a failure. I'll figure this out on my own. And so the fact that you weren't actually able to like hear recommendations as not a you're failing, but like have you thought of this and being open to those opportunities for like improvement, I think is a testament to you as a person because not everyone is able to do that.
1: Thank you. I think part of it was the relationship I had with the people because they were close. I mean, they weren't just like random strangers and I think they had kind of had that place where they could speak into my life and I trusted them and I knew them and I think too like I was just so in such a place of like I just need some help like what who can help me and for somebody to like reach in I think kind of meant a lot
0: I love that so what were some of the f- first changes that you made diet is all diet <laughs> okay so what does that mean yeah what like
1: we cut out gluten, we cut out dairy, started eating whole foods, cut out like the processed foods and started eating more whole foods or natural foods. Um, really trying to do that and saw huge changes, cut out the food dyes, all Man. the stuff.
0: <laughs> food. I was going to ask you for someone who might not know what a whole food is. Like, how would you define whole foods to someone? Food
1: in its most natural form. So think of um, foods that that aren't really processed. Your fruits, vegetables, nuts. um, Obviously, meat has to be so like grass-fed meat because the cows in their natural environment, they eat grass. That's natural
0: for them, right?
1: So food in its most natural form.
0: I love that. Okay, so now that we got that part, you mentioned dyes. How do you, what kind of advice would you give to a parent navigating food dyes in snacks and foods and what that was like. Get rid of them. Surprised by anything? Oh, I was
1: surprised at how every kid's food had it in it. And I think it goes back to that marketing. Like every food that I thought was good and healthy for my kids had the diet in it. Yogurt being a great example. Like, oh, they like, this is yogurt. It's good for them. No, it's not. Like it's got dyes and high fructose corn syrup and Syrup and a bunch of stuff that's not nourishing them at all.
0: I don't know where I shared this. It may have been on a podcast earlier this month, but I was recently shopping for pickles. Oh yeah, they have diamonds. Why do my yellow, why Mm -hmm. do my pickles have yellow five in them?
1: When they're supposed to be a cucumber and some vinegar. Yeah.
0: Right. And I can hear my younger self being like what is wrong with you it's not a big deal obviously it's healthy if it's in your food it's not bad for you if it's here because that i truly believed that i did too i truly believe that if it was in the food it couldn't be bad for me because how could someone be selling me poison right and it turns out that that's not necessarily true it just has to be under detectable levels certain detectable levels and it's not regulated and they add food coloring to make it more enticing to make it look fresher and you are just like oh my goodness and then we wonder why kids can't sit still or why adults are tired at three o'clock in the afternoon
1: yep it's ridiculous it's ridiculous i just earlier today was talking with a woman in the uk this is shocking who's from the States, lives in the UK. And she was like, when I go to the grocery store, they have these certain countries aisles. And in the American aisle, food dyes are not allowed in the UK, just so you know that. But they will import Lucky Charms, which have dyes in them. And they will put a label over the American label with all of the warnings and all of the things that happen when People eat Lucky Charms and the dyes and what's associated with them. And I'm like, you're serious? This is legal? This is produced here in the States? It's on our shelves? No labels at all? Yet when they import it to your country, they put a warning label on it for you? They cover up our label and they put a warning label on it for you? That's like, I I can't
0: get over that. It boggles. I learned this last week or the week before. I didn't know this. But in like... European countries, like Heinz and Kraft and mm-hmm. all of like, they're yeah. global companies, they yeah. have different recipes mm-hmm. for American manufacturing than they do for other countries. And it's like, if you already have the recipes in a, they, like, you european approved form where because like you said the uk europe they have a lot yeah. more food restrictions yep. if protecting yep. their people then why are you not just making that for everyone like sometimes the more you know the more frustrated you get
1: uh-huh.
0: ignorance really is bliss sometimes it is but ignorance also leads to not understanding why you don't have control of your cravings, why you can't stop eating, why you like can't lose weight to save your life, why you're always uncomfortable, why all your joints ache, like. Why we're not sleeping, why your kids are acting up, <laughs> like. Yep. Mm. I'm just gonna pause there for a second because I just like. How? How is it okay? Get really frustrated. I do. I do And so, if you know some, like, let's say I'm a brand new client and I'm coming into you, and my life is a hot mess. I'm tired. I'm grumpy. I can't like get control of my cravings. My kids are off the walls. What would be like the first three steps that you would recommend to me to like, help me guide me in a path of, of like getting my stuff together?
1: Yeah. I think the first thing is like, what are you eating right now? Like, let's just do an inventory of like, what is your baseline? Where are you at? And let's come up with some simple swaps that are going, going to serve all of you better. Um, I think that would be the main thing. I think the next thing would be to figure out, okay, why can you not lose weight? What's going on? Is it stress? Is it sleep? Is it hormones? Is it food intolerances? Like what's, what's going on there? Figure that out. And then I think the next thing would be, let's figure out your relationship with food. Like, are you turning to it to nourish you, to energize you, or are you using it to feel better or to give you energy? Like what's, what's going on there?
0: perfect I love that I'm very similar I have a very similar approach to figuring things out and so if someone was like in this conversation and they're like pins and needles like I keep trying to crawl into the screen to get closer to you in this I'm like so in our conversation right now but how would someone connect with you outside of listening to this
1: yeah. My website is free the number two, the letter B coaching.com. So free to be coaching.com there's resources there. There's my socials email, all the things.
0: Cool. Um, Anything going on right now? Anything that you're promoting or you're putting out into the world?
1: I also have my guide to feel good without food. It's an amazing resource that talks a little bit about what we've shared here today, like how to feel good without food, how to, find those cravings without turning to food for the need for that. So the link should be in
0: the show notes. Oh, I love that a lot. Um, are you on social if people wanted to connect with you there?
1: I am. I'm on Facebook as my name, Melissa Rolfs. I'm on Instagram at free 2 be underscore coaching.
0: Awesome. So while we wrap up, is there anything that you wanted to share today that maybe we didn't talk about or any final words of wisdom you want to leave the listeners with?
1: I just think the biggest thing for me, Tiffany, has been replacing judgment with curiosity. I think if we can stop judging ourselves and stop criticizing ourselves and we can come and ask questions like, why did I react that way? Why did I do that? What prompted that? I think that can really shift things because then we start to kind of figure out, okay, maybe this is off. Maybe this is triggering me. Maybe this is an area that I could improve on. So I love to replace judgment with curiosity, not only with food, but like everything else in life. It's really powerful,
0: even in bad traffic. It's so true. (laughs) So true. I love it. Love it. Love it. So we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you all for listening. Share. If this was really impactful, I would love for you to share this with a friend and send them a little note that says why you were thinking of them and why you sent it over. And with that, I'll talk to you guys next time. See ya. Bye.